This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Um, how are you guys I, doing? I, to this oh, day, okay. anyone who calls me Joshua. Joshua. Okay. If you call me Joshua, I know I'm in trouble. It's just, yeah. There's just literally no, no other way around it. Uh, I like your posters. You? you what? What have you got? I like your posters. What oh, do you got up there? You. You got psycho. Uh, uh, yeah, they're mostly for Psycho and uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Hard Times. Um, uh, um, um, high and Which Low. that one? Kurosawa's High and Low. It's an Italian, oh, great one. Italian one for that. Um, Amazing. And and Joe has a billion movies behind him and, and books. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and almost enough time to watch them. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, listen, um, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thanks so much. We, I, um, it's uh, you know the, the the idea that you know when all, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade is uh, <laughs> it's yeah yeah you be able to take. You, the situation you found yourself in and make something lasting out of it uh, is is pretty remarkable. Oh, thanks so much! It, it really meant a lot to us when you when you tweeted about it. Everyone really freaked out in a good way. Uh, yeah, well, no, no, that I, was. I, I just think it's you know it's 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 the movie for our time, <laughs> tragically. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I wish we had the um, you know if we had a staff, I'd have sent them back to go through the last four or five months worth of our shows and have them pull every single time. It's been a recurring thing. In fact, our, the episode that just went out today, I think starts with me on this rant again, but I have been consistent in my prediction of and disdain for the inevitable explosion of zoom based projects that are coming <laughs> our way. And yeah. uh, I don't, I was like, I don't want to see one now. I'm not going to want to see it afterwards. Yeah, Fuck yeah. all these people. <laughs> and then the first one comes out and it's absolutely great. And so I, I wanted to open with a montage of me bad mouthing these things beforehand. So I can please do. I'd my love words to hear that. For you, well, that's, that's how we went into it. We knew, we knew that there was a very low expectation and we knew that we had to go in and do something that would really surprise people. Cause, um, it, I mean, that's kind of how it came about is everyone was talking about it, you know, sarcastically saying like, oh, who's going to be the first one to make a movie on Zoom? Right. And then a couple of months into lockdown, you know, I'm, I'm really boring and I just hang out with the people I work with anyway. So I was on these Zoom calls hanging out with basically everyone you need to make a movie. And we we're like, well, no one's done it yet. Why don't we just, you know, have a crack at it? And, um, you know, we were keen to we were keen to try and throw a lot of stuff, figure out a way to throw in a lot of crazy stuff that people wouldn't expect from a, you know, a movie shot without without leaving your bedroom. So, uh, you know, I think, I think probably your rants did us some favors. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's a fantastic film. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, we, we were both knocked out and I just, uh, I, I still, I still, I think ultimately in, in the balance, um, uh, I despise you because you, you've, <laughs> made, you've made it worse now that, now that you've gone, no, it can be done well. Even yeah. more of these chuckleheads are going to be doing it. And we are just, we're going to be getting a deluge of awful Zoom projects. So, uh, <laughs> I hope so. That's, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take that here. But, but if you're only going to watch one. This is The Movies That Made Me, 
with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Savage, the writer-director of Host, um, the uh, uh, clearly the movie of the moment. Um, huh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's still yeah. it's still wild to it's still wild to hear that. I mean, that's the weird thing. It's like we made it we made it without leaving our houses in lockdown, and we basically still haven't left our houses since it was released. So it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange to, to hear people talking about it. Um, every so often you get a reminder that there are lots of people out there watching this, this little thing we made with, you know, me and, me and my friends over lockdown. It's very strange. It's, it's just fantastic. And I'm sure Chris Nolan hates you right now. Yes, so. the word. The word. <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't see tennis, you host That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's host right. is getting, it's getting a little cinema release as well off the back of this. So no. we'll, you know, we'll be, we'll no, be that's wrong. That's tenet wrong. In one, tenet in one screen and, and uh, host on the other. <laughs> Go see Zoom. If you can see Zoom in a theater, see it before tenet. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, as far as I know, you have not been as annoying as he has been. <laughs> it's going to be very, yeah, we got our first screening on Friday here at the, the British Film Institute. It's going to be very surreal oh to God. see a Zoom grid on the, the big screen at NFT1. But uh, Now, are you going to go or are you going to watch it via Zoom? That would no, say. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Because I think look, you, look you should the back. show think, up at all your live appearances. Just someone should bring a laptop with you on it. <laughs> just communicate through the laptop it's exclusively now yeah i, I want to bring if you I have more bookings you know you could wear a mask now so you, you could send doubles around no that's way right else. oh that's cool i could wear the mask from the movie just go and sit at the back and freak <laughs> that people too, out. yes yes <laughs> i don't think um, it's going to feel real until i can sit at the back and see people's shoulders jump up at some of the scares i think that's when it's going to feel that's yeah I, I found that to be the, uh, the the most exciting aspect of making these pictures was seeing them. yeah an audience and having something work oh yeah yeah there's nothing like it um and it's uh, it's the worst thing in the world to sit in a cinema and realize that none of it works (laughs) (laughs) i've had had that also uh that that's not going to happen i mean it's it's um uh it's just an astonishingly imaginative film and um uh just you know watching it watching it at home alone i was jumping numerous times which uh just just fantastic um my wife sadly doesn't do horror films and we had oh, no. heard enough to know that it might actually be genuinely scary. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she took my word. But uh, yeah. Rob, thank, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, you're you're, you're, you're going to learn as you, as you go. Um, don't, don't, don't be so enthusiastic in the future because uh, people will take advantage of it. And we did. We made Rob do some homework rather than just come in with a list of his 10 favorite films. They're like, no, you're going to, you're going to work, man. Um, no, it was great. It was great. I got to go back and basically spent the last week watching ghost movies, which is great. Oh, that's, fantastic. How I spend, that's how I want to spend all my time. That's so great. Thanks for giving me an excuse. Sure. Um, so yeah, Rob's going to walk us through since, uh, since host is, um, um, you know, it's, it's, we've seen this. It's a genre. It's a seance. Yeah. It goes wrong. It's just, you've never seen it done like this. Um, I mean, you'll see. It's a pretty. It's I've, I've gone pretty kind of loosey goosey with ghost, as you know. But I've 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 kind of always come back to their haunt, the, you know, haunting movies. So uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about some of your favorite haunting movies. Yeah. Okay. Well, the first one, the first one, and this 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 will show you how loose I'm being with uh, with the term <laughs> ghost movies. But the first one, the first one I've got is Don't Look Now, Nicholas Rogue's film.
my sister's psychic. She wants you to know. I've seen her. And she wants you to know that she's happy. Christine. John, do you hear what I say? It was Christine. My daughter is dead, Laura. She does not come peeping with messages back from behind the grave. Yes. Christine is dead. Yes. She is dead. Yes. Dead, 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 dead. Which um, was, was a film that I watched, I think I was probably about 15, and I'd kind of like, like I'd been shooting, you know, I'd been shooting movies on a little flip cam, kind of, you know, catch up blood slasher movies. And I, you know, and I, and I was just starting to get into, into cinema and I, you know, I was starting watching the usual kind of horror fair. And since Don't Look Now is kind of horror. It's, I mean, I think it's a horror film, but it's at least, at least horror adjacent. I went in not quite knowing what to expect. And I really remember it being the first film the first one film where I realized that there was more than just plot going on, that the filmmaker, that film could, the film could do something other than just be a mechanism for delivering story. When, when he started to kind of do the, you know, that kind of Nick Rowe cross cutting that he does and putting one image next to the other and, 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 you know, putting a third in your head, all, all that kind of, uh, all that kind of experimentation just got me really fired up. And I made, you know, after that, I made a bunch of like, insufferable pretentious short films in the nick rogue style Fantastic. but uh, but it was really a film that kind of blew my head open in terms of in terms of what cinema could do and that there were there were there were filmmakers who were who were artists and really just pushing at the edges of what of what the medium can do and how it can how you can kind of conjure ideas through visual storytelling um and he's still you know i still think he's just one of the most exciting you know he's got one of the most exciting bodies of work of any of any filmmaker you can go and put any of them on and there's a million idea every five minutes there's a new a new idea or something else that you can that you can tell he's behind the camera just totally um excited by what he's what he's putting out and it sure. feels like he's one of the one of the few artists that was really trying to find the, the boundary of what the medium could do um so again, I, you know, and I think it's, I think I just about get away with that as a ghost movie because it plays as a ghost movie. It plays as a haunting movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. They're certainly haunted by a thing that has happened and then there's a supernatural element that may or may not, eh, without giving yeah. anything away to, to the yeah. 40 I think if, yeah, I think if you haven't seen Don't Look Now by this point, right. you're, yeah, probably, you're, you're pretty probably allowed to spoil that one. Um, it's great. Yeah, it took me a long time to come around to that one. Uh, but but because so much of it is... Um, uh, you know, I, I was always a slave to narrative, and it's it's so mm. much just about mood more than anything. And tone. yeah, yeah, that used to antagonize me, but um, I, I did I did come around, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a beautiful film. And, and yeah, and I love films. I love films where you can feel the kind of excitement and engagement from the filmmaker behind the camera. And I think so much. Like another one of my favorites is the man who fell to earth, and it feels like that. He's like he's almost he's almost like a kind of. Um, he's like a, a dog chasing noises in that movie he's it's so interested by one thing in one scene and then he's totally interested in something else in the next and it's just this a million ideas a second in that movie and i just love that and it's yeah. you know and it's kind of I, i'd much I'd, you know, much prefer to watch a messy movie like that than a movie where everything is everything is working like a dream but it doesn't feel like you've got that same kind of um excitement from the filmmaker yeah, yeah for sure so the next one, I mean, I'm kind of going in order of how I watch them. So the next one, okay. this is this is the first this is the first movie where I remember getting that kind of cold feeling in the pit of my stomach, that kind of pure terror 
feeling that only only you know i can count on my hands the movies that have that have done that for me and the, the movie i'm talking about is ring the original the original oh, the ring from yeah. yeah the japanese movie <laughs> And I watched this, I don't know how old it was. I mean, it, it couldn't have been that much later after, after Don't Look Now. I must have been 15, 16. But I was kind of, I kind of, you know, again, and you'll see how kind, of, how kind of naively I was watching these films. I thought that films had rules and they had heroes. And if you, if you abided by the rules, you were safe. And there was, I remember so distinctly, and again, you can, you can turn off for the next 30 seconds if you don't ring spoiled, but I you know, imagine <laughs> no, I've seen it right now. Statue of limitations is up. Good. Yeah. Made. it's okay it's very good yeah yeah the, the, there's a moment at the end there's a moment at the end of that movie where the characters have figured out well i guess the way to break to break the spell is to return her return her body to you know whatever whatever it is and norm, you know normally when a character says something and, and that much weight and importance is put in it you're like oh okay that's the that's the answer great let's let's root for that and they do it and the police come and the time you know that that they're supposed to die within the seven days and the seven days elapses and you're like, Oh, they're safe. Your shoulders go down. You're like, we're in, we're in the coda now. It's fine. You know, you can start, you know, you can, you, you can, you can feel, you can feel safe and, and maybe make, make yourself a cup of tea. And then there's this scene where the, I can't remember his name, but the, 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 the male lead is there. And I think he's, I think he's actually, he's actually writing up, he's doing a little kind of explainer, you know, and then, and then we, we sent her body back and everything was fine. And then the TV turns on in the background. And I remember that moment. I remember exactly where I was. I was watching it on a VHS tape in the, in the basement. <laughs> my, parents, my parents were out of the house. And I just remember my blood turning cold in that moment. And, um, and it just really upset me as well. It really upset because I felt like the movie had just like, I, I felt like it was such a cruel movie. I felt like the movie had really like stabbed me in the back. And I remember I, I feel like weeks afterwards, I just had this, this feeling I couldn't shake. And, um, so I love I love that one, and it's you know I I went back and watched it recently, and it really it, that scene that scene it still kind of gives me gives me a chill. It didn't it didn't send it didn't send me quite quite back to how I felt when I first oh. watched it. But it's such a well put together movie. Like I really right. appreciated the craft the second time of watching it. Well, plus you knew um, how it was going to go this time, so that yeah yeah, and you knew that um, you were going to live seven days beyond yeah. watching the video. So that that definitely yeah, helps. Think, let me just. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been past seven days since I watched that, so I'm not going to attempt fate. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I did. But well, the thing with the thing with um, plans in movies. Oh god, there was one film I remember that didn't do this. It drove me crazy. But you know, it's it's a standard. If if you hear the plan, if the plan is explained, it yeah. will go wrong. And yeah. <laughs> if the plan is not explained, it will go right. That's kind of that, that seems to be always a consistency. But there's what was oh, that movie Joe with um. He was like Kevin Bacon and uh, Robert De Niro in it about the kids who go back to get revenge on. Oh, sleepers! Is it sleepers, sleepers, or like sleepers. Yeah. yeah, I remember they'd be crazy because they spend twenty minutes laying out this detailed plan. Yeah. Like, okay, now it's going to go terribly wrong, and then it goes exactly <laughs> to plan, and um, that made me crazy. But That's as boring. a rule, yeah, if they tell you it's going to be ABC, yeah. I, got, I had a similar, I had a similar experience. It's not a ghost movie, but I had a similar experience watching The Wicker Man for the first time as well, where I just, I felt like, 
I was, oh, yeah. I was watching and leaning forward and like, okay, the cavalry is going to write, you know, he's, the police are going to come and save him and pull him out of the head of the wicker man at the last minute. He's going to jump onto a helicopter or something. And then, <laughs> and then when the credits start to roll, I just felt like I'd been punched in the stomach. Um, yeah, that was, that was an, one of the first films I think I ever saw that did that. And it was just such a, cause yeah. that disconcerting and you're in such a state of unease during the whole thing for sure. Partially because of its, era and and everything about it it's like oh it'll be okay yeah it's going yeah. to be okay oh they're gonna and, they're okay they're gonna someone will rescue him before they set that yeah. thing on fire oh they're gonna they're get really, him out before he burns to death <laughs> with that many folk songs and it has got to turn out well <laughs> they, yeah, exactly yeah. right <laughs> exactly. yes yes so <laughs> And you know, the, you know, the, I don't know if, if if they were released like this in the states, but that was that was that was uh, released as a double bill with Don't Look Now when it first that, came that's, out. That was a UK double bill. Mm. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Oh wow! And I think I think uh, The Wicker Man was actually a little older from, uh, than uh, I think Don't Look Now was a new movie, and The right. Wicker Man has been sort of on the shelf for a little while. Uh, yeah, one of the reasons they cut it was to fit it on the double bill, unfortunately. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think there used to be a thing where you had to show a certain quota of, of British movies over here or something like that. So that a lot of these kind of cheapo movies got made. Yeah. I, um, right. So that makes sense. The, the next, the next haunting movie I've got is, um, well, it's the haunting, the Robert Wise movie. God, it knows I'm here. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Now look, Doc, we're buddies, okay? But don't try to convert me. I'm trying to prepare you. My name's Marquay, Dr. Marquay, a scientist interested in the supernatural. The unnatural, if you like. I came to Hill House to find the key to another world. I mean, Robert Wise is just one of my favorite filmmakers i think he's i mean a lot a lot of his the films he made are appreciated but i think him as a filmmaker and his body of work isn't talked about enough he's not talked about as a just just what what how kind of how kind of modern his film still feel how dynamic you know i still think west side story is like one of the most beautifully shot and directed movies of all time and the haunting the haunted like as a filmmaker the haunting taught me a lot of lessons about how holding thing holding things back can be much scarier than showing things you know it's a movie where uh a part of i think there's one effect where the door kind of bulges and that's all you that's literally all you see and the rest is sound the rest is suggestion and uh and there's a there's a gag in that movie that that again it gave me that blood turning to ice feeling that i got with the ring and it's where it's where there's there's a there's a night of things clattering around and strange noises and and uh and then that you know and then the sun comes up and they go to breakfast and, and the, the woman says oh you know it was so scary last night uh, you know thanks so much for squeezing my hand and he just goes he just goes ashen and says well i wasn't i wasn't holding your hand and again it just gives me chills now just thinking back to it but it's such a it's again like the, it's such a modern movie and how it how it how it portrays the supernatural elements um it was one that i went back he picked yeah. up a lot of uh, hints from uh, val luton uh, who he worked yeah with in the 40s. yeah and he also worked with orson Welles. so i mean uh, robert wise had a, a, a quite a a bunch of stuff to draw on and his, the knock on him has always been that well he's not really an auteur because his movies are all different and yeah 
which is ridiculous. I mean, he didn't specialize in any one genre. He did he did all kinds of pictures, and he did them all really well. Yeah, and didn't he do he he did the haunting, and then he did the sound of music, right? Like that, it just blows my mind. Yeah. But um, but that, that's yeah. always the thing with with I mean the auteur theory is you know we we, we grant auteur status to filmmakers who keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And it seems kind of unfair to these guys. I remember seeing him once. I can't remember where he came to the Cinematheque years ago and talked and um, somebody asked, it was one of the sort of, you know, non-question questions really, but it was basically, I assume since you spent so much time editing and working with someone like Wells that you know exactly what the film's supposed to look like and you would shoot exactly what you need to get the cut you want. And he said, no, what I learned is I shoot the shit out of everything so I have choices, which yeah. uh, I, I liked. Um, he, yeah. used to edit for, he used to edit for Wells, did he? Yeah, he cut uh, uh, Susan King. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, he's he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I I've been meaning to Joe. Tell me if I'm. I guess there was a British Blu-ray of Andromeda Strain came out a while ago, and I remember thinking, okay, just because it bored me senseless when I was twelve doesn't mean it's bad. I need to watch it again. Am I? Am I? Well, that's I'm, very. It's very all current now. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> pandemic movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's out on a, a Blu-ray. A, a local That's what I'm saying. I've got the I've got the British Blu-ray, but I'm, I'm afraid to watch it because it, well, it bored I, me senseless as a kid. Uh, no, it's it's a little better than that. I, it, the, the problem with that movie is the casting. Uh, who's, the cast, who's in that one? Casting is well, no, almost nobody. I mean, yeah. you know, James Olsen, David Wayne. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a intentional um, cast of people who are not stars, right. but they're also kind of bland. And so, uh, you know, except for the scene where the monkey dies at the beginning, which is pretty memorable, mm. um, it's mostly just running around this big set. Um, yeah. With lasers flying all over the place. It's not a bad movie, but it's certainly not one of his better movies. Mm. It's, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll dive in. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, so so the next one I've got again. This is a little, this is a little kind of loosey goosey, but but I put vertigo down. Vertigo, a feeling of dizziness, a swimming in the head, figuratively a state in which all things seem to be engulfed in a whirlpool of terror, as created by Alfred Hitchcock in the story that gives new meaning to the word suspense. beautiful girl haunted by the desperate unexplainable urge to destroy herself a man possessed by the paralyzing vertigo that made him afraid of high places vertigo i think is a i think it yeah it plays as a, it plays as a ghost story at least until the, the third act maybe and um and it's just i mean this and this movie i'm kind of counting this as, as being representative of, of hitchcock who was just huge for me in terms of well, you know, when I when I started to figure out that there was somebody behind the camera choosing what you were looking at and what you weren't seeing and putting a frame on things, um, Hitchcock, I think, because he's so uh, 
because he's so visual and because he's so much about pure cinema and, and, and telling the story with visuals, he was, he was the filmmaker that, you know, like, like everyone, he was the filmmaker that I, that I studied, he, you know, I'd, I'd recreate scenes from psycho with, with my friends just to kind of understand why he was doing certain things. And uh, vertigo, vertigo was a film. Vertigo was, vertigo was one of the, one of the later films of his that I saw, but it, it kind of, um, the thing that I, the thing that I remember is feeling really kind of um, unsatisfied, but in a good way. If that make if that makes sense, so feeling feeling slightly kind of disturbed at the end of it. And there's you know a lot of a lot of movies from from that era they they tend to kind of wrap things up in a bow at the end, and you can kind of you can kind of exhale at the end. And Vertigo felt like there was so much there was so much complexity going on, and that and I wasn't sure how I felt about Jimmy Stewart's character, and it just kind of left it left me in a bit of a in a bit of a in a bit of a funk and uh and it made me want to go back and watch it again and again and again and it's still i come out of it i come out of it differently every time every time i watch it and i always i always pick up different things and i'm not sure how much of it was hitchcock's own kind of uh prejudices and how much of it is him is him is self-analysis and how much of it is um is intentional and, and it's 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 just one of the richest movies uh that you know that i know that i like to go back and watch you know, every every couple of years, and I always kind of see it slightly differently. It doesn't give up his its mysteries easily. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and there was there was actually there's that there's that there's that kind of um, dream sequence where you have I can't remember what Carlotta, Carlotta turning up, kind of standing as this kind of silent witness to these scenes that you've seen, and it did that that kind of image really got under my skin, and that's that's mm. kind of a classic haunting image. Um, that's another, yeah, that, I have to go back. I, I always, um, that was in that spate of, there were five Hitchcock films when I was a kid that you could never see and they got, they were held up in legal issues, Joe? Or what was oh, it? no, the, 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 there was a legal issue and, and his estate actually was keeping them off the market. Mm. Um, but huh. uh, they, they they were all released in a bunch, Man Who Knew Too Much. And in like early stuff. 80s, I think, uh, wasn't that? And, they, and, the uh, print, and the prints were unfortunately not very good. Uh, but now, of course, you know, with the, the digital restoration and stuff. I mean, these pictures all look. Yeah. But Vert- Vertigo was one, and I, you know, I went off to all of them. Rear Window was the revelation because I mean, we'd heard yeah, about it. Yeah. Not, uh, I, there's something about Vertigo that is always. I do want to go back to it. I've seen it a bunch of times. It's one of those films I keep trying to, as you say, get it to give up some more of its secrets. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it just seems like every one of his films is so uh, plot oriented, and and Vertigo is so much, so much. Of the, it's practically a feature length dream sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the subtext is all text in this one, but um, it is one I have to go back. Have you ever seen uh, Rob? There's a somebody did, or have you seen it, Joe? They took all the shots of uh, the courtyard in rear window and then married them together to make oh, yeah, this tableau yeah. of mm-hmm. the entire yard that Jimmy Stewart's looking at. It. It's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. I mean that's again that's an incredible movie. I saw that again on the big screen over here before lock just before lockdown started, and it's uh, that's a that's such a tight perfect movie. I mean that's kind of that's almost the opposite of, of Vertigo. Yeah. That film's just perfect and does exactly what it what it says and does it amazingly. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's very literal. I, I, I yeah, give you that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in fact shit. Sure we may watch Vertigo tonight. I, I keep saying I, I need something to kick my ass to watch it, and you may have just done that. So oh great, okay. Well, if I do nothing else. Um, <laughs> The next one, next one I've got on my list is, uh, it's a film, a TV movie called Ghost Watch. On Saturday night, 
We'll be visiting the most haunted house in Britain. But will the ghosts be there? Can you take it? Ghost Watch, a Screen One special for Halloween, Saturday at 9.25 on One. Just watched it at Halloween last year. Yeah, tell them about it, because I think a lot of people probably don't know it over here. So it was basically, it was, it's kind of put together in the style of a kind of live BBC broadcast. And, you know, it's kind of inspired by the Enfield haunting. And the idea is it's Michael Parkinson uh, in a studio cutting back to some journalists who are going and, and investigating this supposedly haunted house live on camera while people are phoning in. And, uh, you know, and, it, and it's got a kind of, it's got a slightly kind of skeptical tone at the beginning that, that gives way to, to kind of, it, it, it basically, it basically, freaked out the entire nation in in a, in a really big way and it wasn't ava- it wasn't available for a long time because it was it's the most complained about thing that's ever been on british television <laughs> people started even though there's even though it says written by stephen volk at the beginning people i guess just thought thought that it thought that it was real and it's so well done it's so authentic well, also they're not it. actors they're playing they're, they're playing actual themselves. news people being themselves yeah right yeah exactly and it pitches the scares just right because it doesn't it doesn't over egg them to the point where you get to you, you know it, it, it doesn't doesn't allow you to kind of relax and say oh well that's an effect i saw you know i saw the strings it's it's right. it's really kind of careful and it makes you question what you've seen which is which is a really big one there's the, there's this ghost called pipes who shows up in the corner of a shot as the camera's panning past and then it'll pan back and he'll be gone or they'll do a replay and it won't be there and you'll question whether you saw it in the first place and it really you know even the, even even watching it now you know I, and i i watched it you know way later it, you, it really, it really sucks you in, and it's really got an authenticity about it that hasn't been matched since. And it, it was a big one. It was a big one for us doing host. I mean, me and me and Jed Shepard, who wrote host with me, uh, w- we've always been trying to think if there's a way of replicating the ghost watch style experience of of, of kind of uh, tricking people into thinking they're seeing something that's unfolding live. Uh, and we kind of came to the conclusion that probably not. That pro- probably you'd either piss people off too much or you know or, or just i think people are too cynical these days and twitter would ru- would ruin the gag after yeah. after the first watch um but with host you know we kind of figured that this was almost this was our opportunity to go kind of half half of the way because if we could get it out quick enough people would probably be watching this on their laptops after a day full of zoom calls right. and if there were if, if there was even a moment where they forgot that they were watching a movie where you know and it, and it, and it, it it's amazing when people tell me that you know when the pop-ups come up in 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 host they move their mouse to try and click it away and there's that kind of <laughs> there's that there's that slight feeling of oh well i'm i'm you know i'm the the sixth participant on the call and uh yeah so so ghost was, was a huge influence on 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 that and uh i think that's probably the closest we'll come to doing a ghost watch style yeah it's, uh, it's fantastic i had not heard of it before and a friend of mine turned me on to it and um yeah i kept wondering what it, what it must have been like to be watching that now where would yeah. we go to find that i think it's hard to i don't know if it even got a, a dvd or blu-ray release yeah it did. There, I think well at least there's a it. british there's a british dvd yeah yeah um and uh, uh yeah joe you've not i'll, I'll get it to you joe i will get it oh to it's you. well it's well worth watching you'll, you'll love it yeah um i i have a really stupid question did you guys ever think about doing uh an iphone version of host so that it conforms to the iphone zoom format oh that that'd be that'd be cool um <laughs> seems like too much no work, we but... did that sounds that sounds like too much that sounds like too much hard work very hard to compose for that frame as the qb people have discovered. yes oh yeah yeah 
No, that's the thing. We were thinking about whether there could be a vertical screen or that one of them would be on their phone, but it just, there's not, I mean, you know, horror is having a wide frame with a lot of darkness in it. And as soon as you've got a, a you know, vertical frame, there's, there's, there's like you can do stuff with height, I guess, but there's not much, there's really not much play in it. Uh, the next one I've got is, is The Innkeepers, which is uh, Ty West's movie. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that Madeline O'Malley really exists before this place closes down. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. Yes, I'd like a room for the night. Since the hotel is practically empty, we might have a good chance of making some real contact. What was that? No, I just love I just love this one. I think it's got such a it's got such a great kind of easygoing vibe to it. It plays like a Richard Linklater movie or something, and then just totally hits you like a sledgehammer in the last twenty minutes. And it's and it's you know, it's it's just a great lesson in make the characters make the characters realistic, make them likable, make them people you, you'd be happy to hang out with. If this movie never turned into a horror movie, you'd be happy, you'd be happy enough just watching them hang out. And then when the horror hits, you really don't want, want it to, you're watching through your fingers. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 I mean, I, you know, there's always, there's always, Ty always does something interesting in his movies, but this one is the one that I think hits that balance just perfectly right. And it really, like I, I watched this movie for the first time, uh, just after I'd got kicked out of film school and, and I was staying, staying on, staying on uh, people's couches to try and... I, I, had a, I had a movie I was trying to get finished and I didn't have a laptop to edit the movie on. So I was working kind of like shitty jobs to try and get the money to get the laptop to make the movie. Um, and this movie is so much about the horror of realising that you might be stuck in this dead-end job forever, that you might never get out of um, these service jobs. You know, that's the ultimate horror, is that this character, if the ghost gets you, you'll have to stay in the hotel, you'll have to stay doing customer service forever. And it, really, it really resonated with me. Um, and, I just, and I just love it. It's, such a fun, it's such, just such a fun movie to, to stick on and, and you know, uh, switch off for, for a couple of hours. It's uh, it's pretty I, grand. I don't I don't want to violate our rules too much because we don't like to talk about our guests at all. But um, uh, did you ever go back to film school? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I basically I'd made because host host is host is my second feature. I made a feature like literally ten years ago. I made another feature for for uh, three thousand pounds that I was that I had been saving doing paper rounds and all this kind of stuff and and I made this made this movie we shot it on mini TV this was before you know um DSLR cameras or any of that kind of stuff came out um and I didn't have anything to edit it on so I went I went to film school with the intention of editing it on their equipment ah. so they gave me the key so I could use the edit suites at night to cut this movie but then I'd edit all during the night and then I'd I wouldn't come to the lectures or I'd fall asleep in the lectures, which they didn't like. And so they, they literally gave me the choice. They said, you can make the movie or you can do the course. And I said, I'll, I'll make the movie. So I went I clutching this, this suitcase full of mini TV tapes and went and stayed on whoever's, whoever's sofa, you know, I could, uh, I could wrangle and, um, and did that for a year to get the movie made. And, you know, thankfully, thankfully, uh, thankfully it ended up okay. But, um, no, they didn't. They did invite me back to do a guest lecture, though, which I was very, very happy about. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. I charged, wonderful. charged them extra for that. Um, the next one, the next one. This is probably this is probably my favorite 
horror movie of all time, and I think it's I think it's a contender for the best movie of all time. This is uh, The Innocence, Jack Clayton's movie. There has never been a ghost story created especially for the adult moviegoer until The Innocence. <laughs> Do they ever return to possess the living? 20th Century Fox, which presented Deborah Carr in Heaven Knows Mr. Allison, and such outstanding motion picture immortals as Snake Pit, Gentleman's Agreement, and Peyton Place, now gives you The Innocents. Based on the Henry James chiller of macabre evil, brilliantly adapted for the screen by William Archibald and Truman Capote. It's it's a movie. It's one of those movies where you watch it and and you watch it as a horror fan, and you go back and it's whatever it's 1961 or whenever it was made, and it's and it's black and white, and you think, okay, I'm going to have to put on my my 1960s goggles. I'm going to have to watch. You know, it might feel a little, little antiquated. There might be a you know big orchestral score, and it's probably it's probably not going to get under my skin in the same way that that some of this modern stuff is. Um, and you watch it, and it's challenging and it's modern and it's terrifying and it's beautifully shot freddie francis the cinematographer just yeah. the way that the way that that movie uses the frame this widescreen frame is it you know it's it's as, it's as scary and as masterful as anything that's been done since and um there's a there's a scare and there's a scare in that movie where the the character the main character deborah kerr is she's she's playing hide and seek with the kids she's hiding behind a curtain and you're watching this, there's this big widescreen frame and she's in one corner. There's a lot of, lot of negative space and very slowly something emerges in the corner. And, and Jack Clayton, he doesn't underline it with any music. He doesn't underline it with any sound effect. Your eyes are just drifting. Why are we holding on the shot for so long? And then you find it. it, it again, it's one of those blood freezing moments. And for, the great thing is from that moment, you're like, oh, the filmmaker's not going to tell me when the scares are coming. It's not, he's not going to signpost them. So I've got to be alert the whole movie. Every time there's a wide shot, I've just got to scan because there might be something really stressed <laughs> in. And it really gives you a distrust of everything everything you're seeing. And it puts you right on edge. Yeah, and, it makes you uh, very anxious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like Mike Flanagan kind of, kind of obviously took a, you know, took big inspiration from that movie for Haunting of Hill House, where he dressed a lot of ghosts into the, you know, into the peripheral, you know, parts of the frame. But, um, I just, you know, and with a, it's got a script by Truman Capote and it's so, it's so challenging and it's so modern and it's so, um, it's so, it's so dark and, and, and rich. And I always get, it's one of those, like, it's a vertigo every time I, every time I go back and I find something new in that movie. Um, I, I agree with you. It's one of my favorite movies. And I saw it when I was, I guess, in 1961, I must've been like 13. Uh, yeah. and, um, it was it was the first movie that made my hair stand on end. It was the first movie that gave me that feeling in the back of my neck. Yeah, uh, and I and, and I would I would seek it out. I mean, because it, it was constantly being reissued as a second feature all during the sixties, and I would always try to seek yeah. it out because because it was so great to see on a wide screen, and it yeah. al- it always worked. It always made me feel yeah. the same way. I, I it, and, and to this day, it's uh, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And it's got in the same way that Vertigo leaves you kind of kind of troubled and leaves your mind ticking. That last that last shot with her cradling the child and that kiss. It's so um, it 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 poses it poses so many questions and and just leaves you. You know, I always have to. I, I can you know whenever I watch that movie, I always have to just take the rest of the day off and just like not like you know you can't. It's not a movie where you can watch it with a bunch of friends and immediately say, "Well, what did you think?" It's, you've got to sit with it. It's kind of right. a movie that you that you yep. stew on. 
Um, yeah. No, no it's, it's terrific. I, um, uh, and, and Peter Wingard is, is, I don't know why I've, I've, I'm fascinated by Peter Wingard. I'm always uh, yeah. such a such an odd and interesting presence. He was a big he was a big name in Britain. Oh, he was, yeah. No, there was. Of course, something here. Um, there was a huge. Uh, do you know him, Rob? Are you familiar with his? No, no. Um, he he, he was, plays. He plays Peter Quint. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Know, more right. He was a, he's an apparition, basically. He doesn't. Yeah. 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 Appears in the window, but he was. But he um, had a lot of Avengers episodes, and um, and he had a series. I believe he, he had two series. He was in a series called Department S, which uh, I, I discovered I was sort of locked up in a hotel room in in New Zealand, and somehow ended up watching a bunch of them. And then that spun off. It was a bunch of disparate characters who came together and fought sort of crime and espionage, you know, yeah. espionage stuff. And he played an author named, I believe, Jason King. And he was such a hit that he got his own spinoff series. But it's a fascinating thing to watch because it's mid-60s. Yeah. And he's this flagrant, I mean, he makes Paul Lind look like Charles Bronson. He's just this flagrant, flaming homosexual wearing purple velour, you know, jumpsuits and medallions with his you know, hair flying everywhere with these incredible sideburns. And but everywhere, he, but they play him like he's James Bond. Like women yeah. just fall at his feet and he's constantly, you know, running off with babes. And you're watching the show going, how did they, what, what, what is going on here? And then he got caught in a, a, a gay sex scandal and everybody was horrified yeah. and it ended his career. But you're watching this stuff going, what are he telling you in every single frame? <laughs> this is one of the most out gay men I've ever seen in my life. But, What's that uh, show called? I gotta check that out. Uh, the the original show was called, I believe, Department S, and the spinoff yeah. was called Jason King. That was his yeah. character. He's also, he also did, lead, he's also the lead in uh, Burn Witch Burn. That's right. Yeah. Where you are, it's it's another. It's it's called over here. Burn Witch. Oh. Um, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a good picture. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot and, of scary stuff. And he's in one of the greatest Avengers episodes, of course, the the uh, the uh, BDSM episode. Um, <laughs> but he's a fascinating character. He also recorded an album. They used to give actors, you know, you're a big star, you get to do your vanity album. And instead yeah, of doing yeah. a bunch of terrible covers, he did this radical, experimental, just bonkers thing that needs to be heard to be believed. Oh, but man. He's, he's worth doing a deep dive into. He's kind of I fun. might do that this weekend. <laughs> Hey, you're at home. You're looking for things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so the next one, next one uh, is Paranormal Activity. High def camera on. My girlfriend Katie. She thinks there's something in the house. I don't know. You believe me, right? I think we're gonna have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Windows and locks. I remember seeing this, seeing this in the cinema, you know, it's another one of these movies that really, it's a movie that I really kind of took home with me. And you're like, as a horror filmmaker, you're always looking for those, those ideas that people will, will take home and be thinking about when they're yeah. turning their lamp off at night in their bedroom. And, and there's something so simple about, that idea of having a night vision camera set up at the corner of your bed. Cause every time you turn the light off, all you see in your mind is your own bed in night vision and what, what could possibly be picked up by the camera that you're not seeing. And the thing that I, the thing that I really took from this movie that again, we used in host was this idea of like, as a filmmaker, you set, you set the kind of parameters by which the audience watches, watches your movie. And the great thing about paranormal activity is I remember being there in the cinema and, literally 
everyone watching a frame of nothing happening for a minute and then suddenly yeah. the door creaks a little bit and everyone screams they scream like like something's exploded and that's because the filmmaker set up the context he's you know that 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 just the tiny tiniest little movement of the of the door handle is an event yeah. and that's a set, yeah. that's that's what constitutes a set piece in that movie and one of the things we really tried to do with host is for the first kind of half of that of half of the movie we wanted people to think that we were making paranormal activity where they were they were analyzed you know they were looking into the dark doorway behind the characters and if you know it's just right, for a little that, a little adjustment that, yeah yeah and then yeah. and then you and then you know in the in the last kind of 20 minutes you say no we're doing we're doing evil dead and we're gonna just right. go which is gonna go batshit crazy and i think there's there's a moment there's a moment in host where the demon starts to manifest physically which is something that's kind of been outside of our rules we kind of think that we're in you know we're kind of in super in more kind of paranormal activity territory and then suddenly kind of changing up changing up the rules or kind of or, or, or introducing a new aspect to the to the creature i think you know i love movies where you feel like you're without a roadmap and you don't you yeah. you know you're sitting in the cinema and you're like i've got no idea where this is going and there's 20 minutes left and we kind of wanted to we kind of wanted to do that with host just to really radically change up the pace in the last 20 minutes so yeah um, i was i was really surprised by how much i like paranormal activity they're they're uh, again it was sort of i guess in some ways like host it came wrapped with a bunch of uh, assumptions that someone like me would make where you're like, I fuck these people. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then they get you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a weird thing to say about a movie in which nine times out of 10, the, the camera's just sitting there on sticks not doing anything, but it's, yeah. it's really well directed. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really well done. And the, you know, the actors, the actors are fantastic as well and they really sell it. Um, no, it's a great one. Um, and then I've got two more. I've got so Lake Mungo is my next one, which again is one that, that not a lot of people have seen. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. The normally tranquil setting of Ararat's mountains and taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well. I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like Alice. I want you to close your eyes. I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. It's an Australian Australian found found footage movie. Or I don't know if it's even found footage because it's it's edited like Ghostwatch is edited to be like a um a kind of true crime documentary. It's about this family whose uh whose daughter drowns in this in this lake and um and then they start to feel a presence in their home and they start to think that their their daughter is there trying trying to communicate and, and it's and it's brilliantly subtle. It's really, it, it's, it, you know, it's, there's clearly a lot of improvisation from the cast, but the cast are all just incredible. And, um, you, you know, you, you could, you could totally sit somebody down and say, this is a movie about a real haunting and press play. And there's nothing that the actors do. There's nothing that, that, that the screenwriting does that, that makes you think for a moment that it's not totally real. And, um, and it's, you know, it, it, it's terrifying and it's subtle and it's classy, but the, the great thing about it is, and I've watched it a whole bunch of times when you, when you, when you get to the point that it's not scary anymore, it's just a really brilliant, beautiful, tragic movie. It's a movie about mm. a, mo- a mother and a daughter who, who, you know, in life and in death, 
can't find a way to, to connect and tell each other how they're really feeling. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, once, once all the scares kind of um, have, uh, have worn off on you, it's just the most heartbreaking portrait of a family in crisis. And, um, and I, the filmmaker's only done that, that one movie. It's totally, he's just mm. one and done. He's made this, this absolute masterpiece. And I don't know if it was, if it was to drop on Netflix tonight, it would be the biggest thing in the world by tomorrow, but it's for some reason, um because of distributors or whatever it is it kind of didn't get the splash that it that it deserves yeah um, i was thinking of a different different film but i've i've heard of it i thought it had uh... well, the, the title doesn't help yes it no. is on prime it is on very prime. true um oh great uh yeah no i have not i that what you said reminds me of another film but i'm going to hold off on mentioning it because it might be on your list i don't know so uh, but yeah, I think a film that that still works, especially in a genre film that still works long after you, uh, yeah, are, are no longer terrified by it. Um, it's, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Absolutely. And this this uh, this next one, I'm not sure if this next one would work once it stops being scary, but it is very scary and very fun. So, the last one on my list is um, is Conjuring Two, the James Wan movie. Sometimes. Does it ever say things just to you that you can only hear? Yes. Does it feel like it's coming from inside of you? More like it's coming from behind me. Like I'm being used. You know, I feel like I feel like James Wan doesn't get the kind of. um, respect he deserves as a filmmaker because what he does is incredibly difficult to pull off and he pulls it off so effortlessly the you know the way that he kind of leads an audience through those horror set pieces it's it's absolutely like a magic trick you know the way that he draws your attention to you know to one aspect of the frame and and surprises you from the other corner of the frame it's 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 really it's you know it's 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 incredibly tough to do i think a lot of people write him off as just being a kind of jump scare uh you know, kind of jump scare horror filmmaker, but he, there's a real craft in what he does and a real inventiveness. And I think, you know, I always go back and I watch a bunch of those set pieces from from the second Conjuring movie. It's just a, a, a masterclass in those fun roller coaster ride horror scare scenes that, um, yeah. you know, a lot of people imitate these days since the first Conjuring movie, but I think nobody can quite pull them off like James Wan. But he's also even beyond that, he's just a really good director in general. Um, yeah, and you're yeah. right because because the genre is he tends to work in. I think that gets ignored because I I do remember coming out of, of uh, the Conjuring films just just you know and all, as someone who's already a fan and um, uh, I, you know, know knows him through the trailers from Hellworld. Um, I, I just there was a period there where I would walk out of one of his films and go, wow, he's also he's really good. Like you don't think of him as a good director. Mm. And and then the fifth time I think you of him as a big, of as a big direct, a big director and a successful director, but I think he's also like a great, just a yeah. great filmmaker. But it was just so so many times I'd walk out and go, wow, I, I forgot how good he is. And it's like yeah. I'm over yeah. that now. I expect him to be good. Um, I love Death Sentence too, which is not a horror. Yeah, movie. yeah. Uh, There's a lot, like a lot of those early ones. Like I was watching um, Dead Silence again the other day, the kind of creepy puppet movie, mm-hmm. which is which is really like it's it's. Uh, I mean it's it's. I mean, it's really stupid. It's really stupid and really, but really, but really fun. And, uh, and again, it's kind of like, it's the first James Wan feeling movie. I feel like he, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he made the Saw movies, which, which I'm not, I'm not so into, but, um, yeah, his, 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 his conjuring movies, um, I think really, 
really really kind of raised the game in 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 the horror genre i think yeah. um yeah. you know and i think as well like one of the reasons just to link it back to hitchcock like one of the reasons that i love horror so much is that it's one of the few genres where people where audiences accept pure cinema they accept that for huge portions of the movie there's going to be no dialogue it's just going to be visuals leading the sure. way it's going to be people you know um keeping quiet and creeping down corridors and the camera and the the um the shot choice is going to be leading you know that's that's what where you're going to be getting your information from and i think he really takes advantage of that you know there are long periods in his movie where he is just guiding you through with with you know purely visual storytelling and um you know and i do i don't think we see enough of that yeah, yeah no, he's, he's fantastic i mean where where do you come down then um so i don't know if it's gonna be on your list or not so i didn't say it, but on uh sixth sense are you uh... i like i like the sixth sense i like the sixth sense i kind of um it's I, for me it doesn't have the kind of rewatchability of some of the, some of these other movies mm. it's so it, I, I remember the experience of watching it for the first time and because it's all based around this this great twist um i think i've only seen it a couple seen it a couple of times but yeah it's, it's definitely um, worth I, I find it's worth going back to because i thought yeah. of it when you were talking about a movie that works once the scares are gone um yeah it's you know, interesting, yeah. like i mean to me one of the most amazing scenes i've ever seen is the the uh dinner scene where bruce willis is having dinner with his wife yeah and the first time you're watching it, you're watching a marriage that's falling apart and two people aren't talking to each other and it's heartbreaking. And then the second yeah, time you yeah. watch it, you're watching a woman mourning her dead husband who's sitting there as a ghost watching her and can't communicate with her. And it's just even yeah. more powerful. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that again. I mean, I love I, I love a lot of his movies. Un- Unbreakable is one that I, that I just adore. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a really, he's just a master craftsman. And again, he's so, he's so visual and he's... Um, yeah, yeah. His his blocking is exceptional as well. The way that he moves moves the camera and um, and and kind of motivates motivates all his all his long takes and makes it you know in in a way that you don't notice. He's not you know he's not uh, for the most part he's not kind of show offy director, but he's just really yeah. really brilliant. Um, cool. Well, that's that's a that's a nice uh, that's a nice list. Um, yeah, it's a, a good mix in there. Yeah, yeah, and you can see how they all sort of form in in your mind while you're making a uh, host, which is kind of nice. Yeah, um, are you uh, are you planning on staying in the Zoom genre if uh, if need be? Or <laughs> we've got we've got another. We've I tell you I tell you what we've got another we've got another uh, found foot found footage movie that, that we want to do. So hopefully hopefully you won't be ranting about that one. But it, 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 uh, <laughs> hopefully it justifies its existence. But uh, you know we're really we're really excited about it, and we've got. Um, We've got a couple of other non-Zoom. I mean, well, let's see. Let's see what the state of the world is next next year. Yeah. But right now, they're right now they're not set on Zoom. So you're, um, you're not at work on the next uh, host host to the, the Zooming. No, I, d- I don't think host was host came so much out of just this like this this such a specific kind yeah. of alchemy of a bunch of bunch of friends who you know all locked down and, and creatively frustrated. I feel like I feel like anything we do now would, would just be a kind of cynical cut, cash. Cut, cut to five years. We're all still in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. and you've made 30 of them. It's, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Rob. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, thanks so thank much. That for, was fun. Thanks for joining us. And th- thanks for the film. I, there's nothing I love more than just getting my um, expectations turned on their ear. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it's, it's such a pleasurable experience. Um, it's a scary movie. It's a terrific film. Um, you, uh, uh, one, one minor criticism, it goes on longer than the free zoom sessions actually go on. It's movie time. It's movie but, time. It's but, 40 minutes of movie time. But, <laughs> but yes, exactly. But I think you made Joe and I both very happy with the runtime. We're both big fans of uh, brevity 
So. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again too. Yes, for sure. Um, you can Fingers come back crossed. and walk us through the movies that helped inspire your next, uh, your next. Gladly. Uh, hey guys, would you mind if I would you mind if I took a took a, a screenshot for Twitter? <laughs> sure. Okay. sure. <laughs> Thanks. He asks permission. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Rob, thank you very much, man. Um, that was fun. Thanks. Yes. Uh, have fun at that screening, man. That's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. That'll be a blast. <laughs> and uh, enjoy the moment, man. You are the movie of the moment. So. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's got to be a weird feeling. Yes. Yeah. Thanks right. so much, guys. Take care. <laughs> See ya. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.